Hello and welcome once again to our daily devotion podcast. Today I want to talk about blindness. Here we have two types of blindness. The first is a little hilarious and not so serious and yet still stops us from seeing the work of God. The second kind of blindness is far, far more serious and it could be deadly. Let's look at Matthew chapter 16 verse 1 to 12. Matthew 16, 1 to 12. And let us pray. Father, open our hearts, our minds, our eyes to your word. Place your word in our hearts. Father, you may remove the scales from our eyes that we may see the work that you are doing and know that indeed your kingdom is upon us, that your kingdom is in our homes, in our school, in our workplace, in our church, in our neighbourhood. Allow us to see the signs of your presence among us, that we may believe and we may live as such. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 16, 1-12 The Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. He replied, When evening comes, you say, it will be fair weather for the sky is red, and in the morning, today it will be stormy for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Jesus then left them and went away. When they went across the lake, the disciples forgot to take bread. Be careful, Jesus said to them, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They discussed this among themselves and said, it is because we didn't bring any bread. Aware of the discussion, Jesus asked, You of little faith, why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Don't you remember the five loaves for the five thousand and how many basketfuls you had gathered? Or the seven loaves for the four thousand and how many basketfuls you gathered? How is it you don't understand that I was not talking to you about bread, but be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees? Then they understood that he was not telling them to guard against the yeast used in bread, but against the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I mentioned at the beginning that there are two blindness. Let's talk about the first one, the one that's less serious and a little hilarious. Picture this scene. Jesus was teaching his disciples, a very serious lesson. And he mentioned yeast and bread. But at that moment, the disciples realized that they had not brought bread at all and thought, well, Jesus is now lecturing us about bringing bread and forgetting to bring bread. It's a common problem, what we call wrong channel. That while we are, well, someone is telling us something and we are thinking of something else, And often this confusion can be very hilarious and we think of how blur we are, um, 
I'm usually the one when my family, my wife and daughter talk about several things and I'm still thinking of some other thing. They look at me and wonder what channel or what world I'm in. That happens quite often among us, this blurness. But what was really happening was that the disciples were worried about mundane things like bread, like having things to eat. And Jesus was saying, look, I have really gone past that. I would not talk about things like bread. Why? Because I provide for you so easily. Remember the time when there were 5,000 people and they had hardly any bread, just five loaves and two fish? It was not a problem for me or for you. I just fed all 5,000 and more. And the time when there were 4,000 and just as little food and how I fed them and what was more that was left over in both cases. Now, why would I even worry about bread? Why would you even worry about not bringing bread when I fed thousands and thousands of people with nothing or very little? Surely you have got the wrong channel. I'm talking about more serious things, things that will affect your lives in a more deep way, that will bless you more but to also warn you of greater dangers. But we are over this about supplies and forgetting food and all that because they're not a problem for me. I just feed them. And then the disciples look back and they realize that that was true. But you know, this problem happens to us all the time too. When God has already been providing for us, we can't get over the fact that we don't have enough and we miss the point of what God wants to teach us. I want to address first students, for example, or young adults when you're starting out on your job. It's, it's frightening, isn't it? Getting a job and finally you've found a job, you worry about keeping your job. And often you worry also about climbing the corporate ladder. You look at your friends and you, and you wonder whether they have gone ahead of you and the bigger worry is not the rivalry. The bigger worry is, will you climb the ladder or will you be left behind? I know these are big worries. You worry about how much your salary will go up, what sort of promotions, when your promotion, whether your boss appreciates you. Lots and lots of worries that you have. But I want you to bring your mind back to how God sustained you in school. Some of you struggled very badly in school and you worried and you fretted and you thought you were going to fail. But you didn't. You did well. You went on to study higher learning, whether in the polytechnics or on the university or something else, but you moved on. And you realized then that even with setbacks, with concerns, that God in wonderful ways provided for you. Do you still have to worry about making it when through much difficulty God has helped you to make it? Perhaps you have been left behind also in the wrong channel. Perhaps now is the time to let go of that worry and think of things that are more important. Allow God to speak to you of more important things. Perhaps it is that God wants you to grow in your faith, grow to know that His kingdom has come, grow to learn 
about God and His ways and His loving ways towards you. And then you think back, realize that some of the worries that you keep having no longer necessary anymore because God has provided for you. It's the same for adults. I think some of the things that we worry very much about are our finances. Finances are constantly a worry for us. I worry too. But I keep looking back at how God provided, not just a job, but God provided for us when we were in need in miraculous ways. For me, there were several incidents. Once when we were, our family was studying and I, I was studying in the States and we had actually run out of money. We didn't know what to do. What happened then was that the day we prayed and then next day, my brother-in-law, Jeannie's brother, who was in charge of our finances, called and he said, you know, there was a scholarship that you applied one and a half years ago. You see, that scholarship usually would have replied within a few weeks, but they didn't, they didn't reply us when I applied for the scholarship. And so when I didn't receive a reply, I assumed that they had rejected my application and just went on. But one and a half years later, on the day when we needed money, the approval came through and we had over $10,000 wired into our account. It was things like that that I realized that God's provision, the possibility of a provision may have seemed impossible, and yet God provides for us in miraculous ways. Think of the times when God provided for you, the times when you lacked and friends came perhaps, or you received a bonus or surprise of some sorts, or it could well have been that things suddenly became cheaper Whatever it is, do you remember the times when God provided for you? Perhaps then when we look back at how God provides, how He keeps providing, that we need not be fixed and entrenched in our worries about these things. And that perhaps God wants to talk to you about more important things, things of eternal value, things that will bring deeper, greater joy to your life, that you could not hear from God because you were too worried about your finances, about your situation. I've seen so many miracles of God's provision for finances in ministry too. One of the biggest things that I learned while serving in prison fellowship was that God gives and He gives. A financial situation in prison fellowship was far worse than, than it ever is at Agape. And each time we came close to not paying salaries to our staff. We never once defaulted on paying salaries to our staff. But we came very close a lot of times. Often we had something like half a month's pay in the kitty and that was it. And yet God provided all the time, last minute in miraculous ways. Time is too short for me to tell you some of these stories, perhaps in another podcast or over the pulpit. On another occasion, I'll share some of these. What it taught me was that provisions were never a worry for God. God is, owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Giving provision is the least of His concerns. And perhaps then we need not be left behind and stuck 
still worrying about how God will provide for us. And allow us to allow God to speak to us of wonderful things of His kingdom upon us. In church then, we need not worry as much about our finances. We need not worry at all about finances. Let's look ahead. Let's look at where we can go to minister and allow God to speak to us about these things. But I want now to deal with a far more difficult and painful matter, a different kind of blindness. The Pharisees had seen Jesus' miracles Day in, day out, he heard, they heard him teach. The teachings of Jesus were not ungodly. The teachings of Jesus made sense and biblical sense too. They reflected God's heart and the people knew it. So did the Pharisees, or so could the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But they were so entrenched in their ways and their thoughts that they were unable to see all the signs of God's kingdom upon them. And so the Pharisees and the Sadducees came to Jesus and said, show us a sign. It's an it's a f- irony that the Pharisees and Sadducees should come together and talk to Jesus because Pharisees and Sadducees never got along anyway. The Sadducees were stricter sects. They believed in strict holiness, that holiness and uh, strict adherence to their laws would usher in God's kingdom. The Sadducees, on the other hand, were the royalty and the priests and the, and the more worldly people. They, they weren't as strict or as ascetic as, as the Pharisees. They were more the religious, upper-class people. But they too were looking for the Messiah. If one were to look at these two sects, the Pharisees and Sadducees, one might conclude that they were the ones who persevered over the centuries of God's silence They kept the traditions going on. They kept strict rules in the hope that the Messiah would come. But in the process, they also grew hardened and they grew cold. They grew disillusioned. They began living not to look for the Messiah, but living for their rules and the way of life. To the extent that when the Messiah came, they couldn't see the signs at all. They couldn't see what the healings and the demon exorcism and the deliverance, they couldn't see any of these pointing to the presence of the kingdom of God. This was a serious blindness indeed. And so when they came to Jesus and asked Jesus, show us a sign, Jesus said, there will be a day when I will be crucified. You will kill me and you will see me rise again. There wouldn't be any greater sign than this. You know, after the resurrection, after Jesus ascended to heaven, as we continue looking at the gospel, as at the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, we realize that the Pharisees, many of the Pharisees and Sadducees had not changed at all. Though they may have seen Jesus die and seen Jesus raised, they still would not believe. In fact, a group of them, when the guards came to report that the body that Jesus had risen, the body had left. They told the guards, tell everyone, spread the rumour that the disciples came and stole the body away. These were Pharisees who knew the truth that Jesus had been raised from the dead. Jesus had told them already, when you see the sign of Jonah, that I will be raised three days later. 
They saw it all. The hearts were so hard, they refused to see. And they continued passing a rumour that Jesus' body had been stolen. This hardness of hearts, this cynicism, this refusal to see the truth right before their eyes was a very deadly danger. And Jesus said, look, here are the signs. You guys are good at reading signs. You look at the weather, you look at the sky and you know the weather. Why is it that you do not see that the kingdom of heaven has come when you see all these signs happening around you? But you know this sign, this blindness continues among us. And it is a very dangerous thing because it keeps us where we stuck at where we were. And even when God wants to work a miracle in our lives, He's unable to because you refuse to see. I want to talk about bitterness, anger, unresolved sense of vengeance and hurts. Some of you have been very, very hurt by incidents. Let's take family dynamics, for example. You may have been betrayed in your marriage by one partner or the other. It may even have been a harsh time of quarrels, a long period of fighting and conflict. But perhaps God has started a change in your family. Perhaps your parents have begun to change. Perhaps there's a softness in your husband's heart or your wife's demeanour. Perhaps your children are showing signs of change. But because of the bitterness of the battles that you've had, you are unable, you refuse to see signs of God working the lives of these persons. And while God wants so much to restore your family, to bring wholeness to it because He's working hard at each family member, you who once wanted a harmonious family now are unable to see it because you have been so badly hurt by it, so disappointed so many times. But God wants you to open your eyes to see that things are changing, that the kingdom of heaven has come, that there can be and there will be a wind of change in your home. It's the same in office. Perhaps your colleagues have sabotaged you, your classmates have hurt you badly, your teachers have been horrible, and you have been so hardened because of the hurts around you, you don't want to be hurt again. But be on the lookout. Perhaps God is doing a work and things are changing, people are changing. When you are unable to see the changes that take place, you cannot see the blessings that God was pouring down on your work situation, in your class situation, even in your church situation. Over the years, our church has gone through much conflict. Many, many conflicts where each of us, each of you were badly hurt in the process. And these hurts linger because they were deep cuts into your hearts. Indeed, they were offences that were harsh by each party, no blame, but 
they were hard on each one. But perhaps God is began the work some time ago, softening hearts, changing dynamics, maybe even working miracles, working miracles among you, miracles of healing, of provision, miracles of a changing, softening heart. And I urge you then, take a look. Perhaps the kingdom of heaven is really upon us. Ask God to open your eyes to see and your hearts to accept that the times of old, the conflicts of old, have been passing away and the new wind of change, of healing, of excitement with God, of moving on, has begun. You see, when we continue to hold on to the history of how badly we were hurt, we are unable to see the work that God is doing among the people, even the people who have hurt us, but also the people who have been hurt. And God longs to do that work of restoration, of healing, of bringing people back together, healing old relationships, that we may move forward with the good news of Christ. One of the dangers of this blindness, this hardening of hearts, is that it can spread also. Jesus was telling his disciples, be aware, be careful, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Just a few days ago, we talked about yeast, but that was the yeast of the kingdom of heaven. When Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like yeast, once it starts, whether it starts in your life, thoughts of God's goodness starting in your life, or thoughts of God's presence in an office will change your life, will change the office environment. But so it will be with the East of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. If you keep bitterness in your heart, if you play the story of your hurts, of your betrayal, of the things, the conflicts that took place again and again in your hearts, it will take root and it will infiltrate all of you. And if we talk to about it often to our friends, we gather together to talk about the times when things were bad, then it spreads also. I realised this when I thought about my own past. You see, basically, uh, um, I had a hard childhood as well. And I, of course, like many children, I was hurt, especially by my father. And often I would run through all the offences that my father did to me. Actually, he was a good man. He was an upright man. He just didn't know how to be tender towards a son who needed more tenderness than strictness. But so often I would run through all the hurts that he had done to me. And then I realised that as I did that, I became harder and harder. And my attitude towards my daughter, my attitude towards my wife and others also became more harder and harsher. While on the one hand, I was telling myself, I don't ever want to be my father. I discovered that I was becoming more and more like him in his harshness. Until 
I learned to change. I began to think of the tenderness of my father too because there were many tender moments that he was good to me. I began to forgive him and to think of the good that he had done, the gestures given to me. And then I discovered too that all of me, the way I treated others, the way I regarded others began to change as well. You see, holding on to bitterness doesn't just affect you and the, offend, the person who offended you. It affects your entire person, the way you look at others, the way you regard and talk, behave to others. It affects all of you. And until we allow God to heal and to remove and to see beauty around us, it will continue to infiltrate our bodies. And it will continue to do that not only to each of us as individuals, it will continue to do that to our communities, to your family. Bitterness will breed greater bitterness. It will continue in our church, cynicism, antagonism, anger and resentment against one another. It will take, it will grow because we we grow camps and then we take camps and we take positions and then it will infiltrate the entire church. But the other way is true to the way of the kingdom of God is true too. When we start op- asking God to open our eyes to see His work, when we are able to see His blessings and we share His bl- about His blessings to each other, we talk about how God is working miracles in our lives and in our homes and in the church, when the conversation changes to the goodness of God, then that too will be like yeast that will pervade through the environment, whether it's your family, your workplace, or the church. It is a choice, and an important choice, to choose whether to allow the kingdom of God to fill our hearts and our minds or to allow the cynicism and the bitterness to take root in us. It is a very, very important choice for all of us. And we need to make that decision. Let us pray. Father, you leave things to our choice too. The choice to trust you, to look at the miracles that you have done in our lives and to move on to greater things. I pray for each one who is worried about our futures, provision for our lives. I ask, Lord, that you will show us how you have provided for us so many times in the past, whether in our studies, whether in our finances, whether in our work, that you have always been God the provider. And then, Lord, as you play, put our hearts at rest. Allow us to be attuned to the things that you really want to tell us and things that you really want to teach us. That your kingdom may rule in our lives. And that we may be set free from many of the worries that we have. And set free to enjoy the life in your presence. Father, there is a deeper greater blindness, the blindness of old hurts, of anger, of resentment that we cannot let go of. 
Father, we know that you understand how badly we've been hurt. And yet you tell us the times have changed, the wind has moved, has blown, and the winds of change have come. That indeed you are doing a new thing, you're doing a new thing in our homes, in our churches. And that we need to have you allow you to open our eyes to see the changes that are coming, the softening of hearts, the miracles that are taking place. Father, heal us of our blindness. Allow us to see your work and your hand at work. That for some time already you have been doing a work in our homes, that you have been beginning to heal relationships and yet and personalities and we are sorry that we have failed to see or we refuse to see but open our eyes Lord to see how you have worked in the lives of those around us and in our lives as well that rather be that rather than being filled with greater anger and hatred and resentment our hearts may be lightened, filled with wonder and joy, and that this wonder and joy may pervade each of us individually first, and then into our communities. Begin that work in us, Lord, we pray. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well then, have a blessed day. Allow the Lord to open our eyes to see what He's doing around us in our midst. Goodbye.